Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema. This is a podcast about craft beer and film, and as always, I am Max Minardi. And I am Johnny Summers. What is happening? This is a podcast where we cover two craft beers and one movie each and every week. Most of the time, those are beers we have never had. There's a good chance they are beers you've never had. Uh, Oftentimes, that is because they are new to the craft beer scene, or at least new to our market. Uh, And in this case, we are definitely doing a brand new movie called Us, and we're going to get to that later. What you need to know going in, if you've never heard us before, is that we don't spoil that movie until the end of the show in what we call The Danger Zone. So if you haven't had a chance to see Jordan Peele's Us, and considering this is coming out uh, Monday after opening weekend, there's a good chance a lot of you have not. Don't worry, we will not spoil it until much later. Uh, but more importantly, Johnny's going to tell you where to find us. Yeah, housekeeping-wise, you can find us on all the social medias, at Fresh Hop Cinema, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Untapped, Letterboxd, all that fun stuff. Follow us, and also, more importantly, rate and review on iTunes. And keep photoshopping, not photoshopping, sure. screenshotting. screenshotting when you're listening to the podcast and put that on your stories. We really appreciate the advertisement. It's been helping. We've been growing. Yeah. Help us grow. Tell your friends. Yeah. It's basically screenshot wherever if you're listening on uh, the native Apple iPhone app or, or SoundCloud or Stitcher or whatever it is. Screenshot it, post it on your Instagram, tag us, and it tells your friends what a cool podcast we are. And if you don't know how to screenshot or tag people on Instagram, just text. Just, just, just call me or text yeah. me and I will help you. Yeah, looking at you, Brandon. Looking oh, yeah, at you. that's right. Yeah, uh, so shout out there. Um, let's dive right into our first beer. It's a beer that I got. This is sort of a maybe the third or fourth week in a row we've done. Holy clack! Beers that I got from a trip to Oregon, and and we're we're straying from a habit we've fallen into over the past few weeks, where we only did like we for a few weeks in a row we did like a an IPA and then a stout. Um, but we're gonna do what is uh, known as a Japanese style rice lager here. It's made by Level Brewing. They're out of Portland. It's called Sweep the Leg. Um, like I said, it's a rice lager. It's a Japanese uh, inspired rice lager. It's four point six percent ABV. Not a ton of people have had it. Uh, about three hundred and seventy on Untapped, and they've given it an average rating of three point six eight. Aggregate, Johnny, you're counting uh, the number of months this beer has been uh, alive in this can. Yeah. Um. This- when was this can? Last Thanksgiving. November. So we are in uh, March. Yeah. So five-ish? Yeah. Five-ish months. So I don't know the school of thought necessarily for a for a lager. I, I feel like they have a longer shelf life than a than an IPA, but you're shaking your head like maybe that's not true. Exact opposite. Oh, really? Less yeah. than an IPA? Yeah, shorter. Really? IP, yeah, like hops are preservative. That's hmm. why, because that's... Oh, sure. Yeah. That makes sense. Not to... You should whole tell, history yeah, of beer, but... I knew what you were about to say, but yeah. Yeah, that's why they put hops in beer in the first place was to last the boat ride between India and England. That's yeah. why it's called an India Pale Ale. Fair enough. Um, Boom. Great. Beer because, 101. Yeah, because these lagers and and presumably other traditional English beer styles weren't holding up, or in this case a German beer style, but like wouldn't make the trip. Yeah, it would just get wonky and gross. Interesting. And there weren't temperature-controlled environments, but you could keep a heavily hopped beer in a barrel, and it would be fine for the trip. Though I think there's something to be said now that we do have temperature-controlled environments, like what might have spoiled in two months across the ocean is going to be a little bit more okay if it's in a can and refrigerated consistently. Yeah. Um, so unless you're getting a lot of off tastes here, um, I'm, I'm going to give this a benefit of the doubt, and I want to read what they had on their website. And Level Brewing says, this is a session lager inspired by the easy-drinking rice lagers of Japan. Pilsner malt and flaked rice make for a very light-bodied beer. We use some New Zealand Motueka hops for a nice, subtle lemon-lime, citrus-tropical coconut hop aroma. What do you think? 
It tastes a little old. Yeah. Yeah. Not super crispy. No. Uh, it does have a nice, nice overall kind of appeal to it. And I could see how this beer would be killer like three months ago. Uh, it definitely gets a bit of the the dusty, cardboardy, just just had some time on it, uh, you know, overall flavors. I like the can. Yeah, it's a 19.2 ounce can. Of, what do you call those? Uh, there's a name for them, right? Uh, yeah, stovepipe. Stovepipe can. Um, this is one of their beers, too, that is not super readily available. I looked on their website, and it's uh, currently not available, which uh, says something, I suppose. Um but uh, this is, uh, if you're wondering what a rice lager is, it's essentially a, a, a traditional lager, but instead of using purely malt, they, they throw in rice as an, as an adjunct, so to speak. Um, and there's all sorts of history I read about the, uh, what is it, I can never pronounce it, Rhein Heistigabat? Rhein, Rhein Heistigabat, the German purity You have lager. to say it angrier. Yeah, I can't even pronounce it. Just gonna, Rhein Heistigabat. Is it on this paper? I don't think it is. Oh, Rhein Heistigabat. Yeah. But the German purity law stating that you can only use certain ingredients and there's a whole whole list of things and certain temperatures and the method of brewing German beers essentially, um, and and before that was established there were there were other rules and that wasn't necessary. It was actually only something Bavarian beers lived by for the most part, and then Germany adopted it later. Anyways, what does that mean? What's that? What's a Bavarian beer? What's um, Bavaria? Right. So it was a where's country, that? Uh, good question. Couldn't point it out on a map probably, but like um, the thing I was reading, I wonder if I still have it up. Um, I'll check in a minute, but like there was a there was a point in time where where even german beers were not sticking to these rules they like for the most part people in the beer world know as like the german purity law like um they borrowed a lot of things from from this bavarian ruling and i'll see if i can find it hmm. in a minute but so is bavaria a country or is it like talking about a region i thought it was a country at one point if not now i'm going to sound so dumb if it's like a very popular country because well, if it was a german law you would think it would apply just in the country of Germany. Sure. But is like Bavaria a region of Germany where they like made a bunch of beer or something? Yes. You are definitely closer than I was. Uh, it says here is uh, Bavaria officially is the free state of Bavaria is a landlocked federal state of Germany. Huh. So in the Southeast. All right. Um, so maybe it's different now because I don't think I remember hearing Bavaria being its own independent thing. Like the Vatican might be in Rome, but that's like an, uh, its own thing though. Cause that's like its own little country. Yeah, right, exactly. Which is so, friggin' weird. Which is kind of how it seems uh, when I was reading about it, like it was its own thing. And it, I don't can't think of a time in modern history where I've heard that distinction made. But hmm. um, anyway, so the point being like the rice thing, a lot of people are like, well, this isn't, this isn't by the laws of German purity. And like, no, it's not. There's even a Japanese word for separating between, and I don't think I wrote it down either, sadly. But it's all right. We would just butcher between, it. Yeah, between uh, what they would call beer and then basically anything that was more than 33% uh, anything but traditional German ingredients. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people dog the big guys for using rice. Exactly. Right. Like, yeah, like Budweiser, I think advertised for a long time as like a rice beer. Yeah. Um, and part of the reason is rice really adds a lightness and a sweetness. Um, cause a lot of that rice ferments quicker and turns more sugary and sweet than, um, traditional other barleys and malts might. Um, I just want to read a little bit more what I had here, but this is, a. Uh, I'm just going to, I paraphrase here, but I'm going to read from something. I'm just going to say first introduced as a specialty import by Dutch merchants in the 17th century, uh, local production in Japan began in the early 19th century. This dude named Hendrik Doef, Doef maybe, I'm not positive, D-O-E-F-F. He was uh, the Dutch commissioner. It's Doof. Doof uh, in Dejima. He saw that his supply from Europe was interrupted. It was the Napoleonic Wars times. 
And he commissioned a local operation to um, essentially ensure that he had his own beer coming in. Uh, jumped to the late 19th century, they discovered hops uh, growing wild just, just in nature on the island of Hokkaido. It was the, it's the northernmost island in Japan. And this dude named Sebe Nakagawa, he was sent to Germany to learn about brewing, basically. And he came back and then he started using these German techniques and styles. But, but rice being as prevalent as it is in Japan, um, started using rice more. And then he founded what was known as Pioneer's Brewery. That was 1875, which today can be uh, known as Sapporo. And everybody has seen Sapporo beer for the most part. I drink I Sapporo with sushi yeah, all the right. time. It's, it's at a lot of like Japanese cuisine restaurants. Um, and I think it's the first established brewery in Japan was 1875, which That's is a long history there. Yeah. Um, so it's safe to say that rice has been used in beer for a long time. A very long time. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting because it gets a bad rap. Totally. It's yeah, it's like a slanderous term. Like you're you're like skirting around uh, or taking like a shortcut and making beer. But I I don't know, man. I think it's a nice additive a lot of the time. I think a lot of people just uh are anti big business, big brand just because Anheuser Busch and Miller Coors are really kind of monopolizing and making it hard for small craft brewers to be successful. You know, they're doing a lot of shady things and passing legislature and throwing their money around like big pharma. Sure. Um, And it's just kind of a coincidence that they have uh, coined the market or cornered the market, if you will, on, on a lager that is relatively predominantly rice. Yeah. So it's an interesting debate. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the big business side of beer, No, but I still drink craft breweries that have been bought out by, it's it's a slippery slope because yeah, totally there's is. so many and there's so much good beer. You could totally drink independent craft only forever mm-hmm. and be fine, but you could also not because it's a lot of really easy to get beer. Yeah, sure. It's it's tough, but I mean, you vote with your dollars. And I try and stick with uh, independent craft brewers that have only been bought out partially. Yeah, because you kind of keep the foundation of like the creativity and the, the actual employ employment of the people yeah. that started it. I learned the other day that... Um, I had assumed because I heard it in passing for forever that Kona Brewing in Hawaii was bought mm. out by Anheuser Busch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found out that they only own like a ten or twenty percent stake in that company. Okay, so it's so minuscule. Like they're still independently ran. They just have like shareholders. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. So it's it's interesting. It's a it's a weird thing. What do you think about drinking? Yeah, big know. beer. It was like vamping off your point a tiny bit. Some of them really go under the radar. Like I remember, I was I found out about Saint Archer. Uh, down in San Diego, and then like I think like six months later they got bought out, and I didn't even know it. Yeah, they sold um, quick. Yeah, and like they don't really advertise it. Like I, I feel like a lot of craft brewers that that kind of either sell part of their share or completely sell to a bigger company don't really advertise it. They're not like now we're owned by AB and Bever. Like, mm-hmm. um, so that's tricky too. Like I think there's a a lot to be said for like researching where you're buying your beer from. Yeah. Um, and. I'm I'm much more averse to like the full buyout situation where where big companies come in and step all over the small ones and like push their own beer agenda. Um, but I'm not necessarily as against like the Kona situation. Yeah, I think if 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 the I mean it's still not good, but it's certainly the lesser of two evils. Definitely. And if you can, the way I look at it is if you could get an infusion of capital that helps you make craft beer and get it to more people, right? Like, yeah, you're kind of getting in bed with the devil, but it's better than letting the devil make your beer. Sure. I don't know. There's layers to it. It's a multifaceted question, much like a diamond or an onion or an Indeed. Ogre. Yeah, sure. Uh, that was nice. Yeah, but um, this beer yeah, is, this is uh, an interesting beer. I would have loved to experience when it's fresh because it definitely tastes old. It's got kind of a tang to it. 
uh, in my opinion, that is not probably supposed to be there. Okay. It finishes a little bitter um, and just a little stale and kind of cardboardy. Uh, it's, I have a feeling this beer would have been super crisp and refreshing and crushable when it was fresh. So I don't get a lot of the staleness you're talking about. I think it's fine. Like Traditionally, like for me, lagers have that sort of tang. I always, it's something that I'm not necessarily the most jazzed about all the time, but it is something I've learned to attribute with, with loggers. Usually pilsners do Sure, that. and especially pilsners, yeah. Loggers are traditionally and usually pretty crisp and clean and yeah. almost more watery and refreshing. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of... There, uh, funk is probably too strong a word, but there is... Like, tang was was a pretty good adjective. Yeah. Think. But maybe it's just that I don't mind it as much as you do. Yeah, but I think stylistically it's a flavor that's not supposed to be in this beer. But it's hard to say because we're not getting the truest representation. Sure. So we kind of only have what we have in front of us to judge off of. Yeah. So, yeah, on, on that point, I agree with you. Like, it'd be awesome to have this perfectly fresh. Um, but even, so like with an IPA, six months max, and then we're like, this is not worth our time. Sure. Uh, like this Pliny I've been aging out of the fridge in the corner of my desk for uh, for a long time. Yeah. Shout out to Brian. Um, Massa? You know. I know or him. Or do you? Um, and... I don't know, man. This doesn't bother me. It's a really good beer as far as I'm concerned. It's still crisp. It's still got a lot of good flavors. I think the lightness that the rice brings to it is pretty apparent. I do sort of like the, I, I always want to say it's like a vanilla sweetness, but it's not. I know it's not vanilla, but like there's sort of like a creaminess that I get in these kinds of beers hmm. and and I dig it. Um, it's not blowing my mind or anything, uh, but it's, I think it's fine. Yeah. And yeah. true young Maxwell Sorry. fashion, yeah. I will uh, <laughs> get on that train and say it's, yeah. it's, it's fine, and for me, it's a little bit less than fine. Yeah, I, I yeah. wouldn't recommend this one. I would purchase it again if it was fresh sure. and give it a fresh judgment. But alas, can only judge the beer in my glass. Sure. So what and that gonna... all rhymed. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. It's... What are you gonna give this out of ten? Hmm. I'm really not that fired up about it. Um. Like a four or five. All right, that seems fair, and it definitely seems accurate to what you're describing. Yeah. Uh, I'm. I'm gonna go six. Yeah, yeah, I would drink it again. If if I had a second can, I would like throw it on a movie tonight. I'd I'd drink a can of this. Sure, it's not bothering me. Yeah. Um. So for that reason, it's above a five. Do you have a bit more like attachment to it because you purchased it in the wild and like selected it? Maybe if if I do, it's subconscious. Yeah. Um. Maybe, I do that sometimes because yeah. like if I want a beer to be good because like you expect something right, out of it right, and you're right. like, oh, it's not, but I still want to like yeah, it. Yeah, but I put time, I invested yeah. emotion in this. I drove far to get this. Right. I almost died in the snow. Right, yeah. Yeah, maybe I do. I don't know. Um, that said, we've like done these beers for the past few weeks and like I feel like we've rated at least one of them pretty low, uh, which might debunk this theory. But this one in particular. Wait, we've done which beers? What? Beers from this trip where I almost oh. died in the snow. Yeah. Uh, over the past couple of weeks. So like, I don't know. Um, I know you were excited for this rice lager. I remember I took a picture of it. I sent it to you. You're like, I'm stoked to try that. So yeah. uh, if anything, uh, maybe you are more let down because this could have been really, really good. I think that's it too. Yeah, because yeah. I know what like a fresh rice lager does and how it tastes. Uh, Berryessa does a really, really good rice lager. Oh, Free Kittens? Called Free Kittens. Oh, that's, that's, I couldn't think of another rice lager. Is it? Now that you mentioned that. Damn that's a, good that's beer. That's a good beer. It's yeah. a really good beer. We should get a fresh can of that. Uh, I don't think they can it. They might. Oh. I know it's on draft at the Goose and like some other bars around town pretty regularly. Once, yeah. I don't know what other bars would be at. Like, but I mean, you can check around. Yeah, check your craft, your local craft beer bars. Call Berryessa. Yeah, just be like, where is this beer? Well, they they're pretty small and don't distribute a ton of places. So, with breweries like that, I wouldn't even hesitate. I would totally call the brewery. Yeah, 
We should yeah. call, we should call them now. Let's let's call them on the on the break and see like where can we find them in our area. That'd be and if they distribute because I would love to have, try that in a can. Yeah. Um. So we're gonna put this beer to bed, but I did want to mention because we didn't really do it at the top of the show. We do crazy weird stuff like calling breweries on our Patreon bonus oh, episodes nice. a lot. Yeah, we do um, other things also. Other things like we called a, a goat cheese, goat milk, a goat milk. Yeah, I got a voicemail from a goat milk representative, mm-hmm. which is uh, a cool sentence that I can say now. So yeah, it's like a buck a week at minimum. Yeah. If you want to get involved, it's cool and it helps us out. And I'm not going to beg you for any more money, but if you're into it, check out Patreon. Yeah, it's we're at patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. So we, we get a bunch of bonus content that we put out. We also have events. Um, uh, quick math in my brain. Um, oh. This episode will be out in time for our next event. So if you're hearing this, you're like, I want to come to an event in Chico. Sign up and then you'll we're get the details for it. Doing an event on the 30th? The 30th. I don't know. Uh, We've got one coming up on the 23rd, but this comes out after that. That's true. Yeah, the, that's a, yeah. Yeah. So, so if you hear this and you're like, I want to come, I need more friends. People yeah. need to like me. Exactly. We will like you. Or maybe you're new in town. You sure. need to make some beer friends. We're the kind of folks you like to hang out with. Maybe. Hopefully. <laughs> Unless you're not cool. Yeah. Unless if you like the podcast, though, there's a good chance. That's fair. Uh, yeah. So we yeah. will have just had an episode or uh, an event Saturday when yeah. this drops on yes. Monday. Yeah. So we're hungover still from that because sure. it was such a crazy party. <laughs> uh, in any case, this has been Sweep the Leg from Level Brewing out of Portland, Oregon. 4.5 for you, Johnny. Six for me. Let's move right along into Flick Picks. That's a segment where we talk about movies we have seen in the past week that are not necessarily, or in, actually, I don't know why I say necessarily. I don't either. The they are not the movie. Most of the definitely, week. They are necessarily definitely not. not. But uh, I'm a big movie fan. So is Johnny. We watch movies outside of uh, the episode, and we can't always talk about them in the fullest capacity. So that's what Flick Picks is. Flick Picks is. Yeah, man. <laughs> it is. Um, you go first, man, because you have a follow up. I, I do. I was recommended a movie by none other than Young Wax, Young Wax, wax Mel, Mel. Wax yes. Mel, sitting across from me. Words today. I had some beers at work before I got here. Sure. Don't judge me. Uh, young Waxwell. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like that. I did too. It might be your name this episode. Put on a t-shirt. Yeah, Young Waxwell recommended Marrowbone. This is a horror slash suspense film that came out at some point on disc, and it has people in it. That's all the notes I have. Uh, we don't really need more than that. It's fine. You want to give a few shout outs to who's in it? Well, yeah. I mean, it was so it was a movie that I recommended either last week or week before, and possibly the week before that. It was a 2017 movie. It's a bunch of people that mostly you haven't heard of probably by name. There's a dude named George McKay. Um, you will recognize somebody from Stranger Things. Yeah. So that dude is Charlie Heaton. He yeah. plays Billy. Jack is the older brother. Anya Taylor-Joy plays Allie. Mia Goth, who is like very typecast, is like the kind of creepy, weird girl. She was in A Cure for Wellness. Well, with a last name like Goth. Right. Am I right? Um, and there's there's other folks as well, but it's this horror movie sort of about um, this family of four siblings and a mother who leave the UK and travel to America to the home of the mother uh, where she grew up and they live there, but the mother passes away from illness and they deal with sort of um, the the ex-husband kind of deal and surviving until they turn <laughs> 21. I don't want to say too much about this movie in case people watch it, but yeah, um, I, I, I really liked it. Yeah. And I know you didn't. And this is Max's flick pick. Right. <laughs> no, uh, I just wanted you to say who was in it. Oh, sorry, man. But you're being very helpful because that was a very nice breakdown of what this movie is about Thank overall. Uh, and my take on it. I know you like this movie quite a bit. I thought it was good. Uh, I had a bit less enthusiastic response um, it was not as scary as I wanted it. It was definitely your supernatural suspense movie. Um, there were some pretty unique ideas and some really cool scenes, the way it was shot. There was some cool, um, 
I wouldn't, I don't want to say effects, but just like the overall vibe of some of the scenes was really cool. I like the universe that they created. I like uh, movies set in this time period. Sure. It was pretty fun. When, what time period was it? It was, it seemed, um, they just landed on the moon. So it was in 69. Yeah, okay. Literally is, 69. I remember having the feeling too in the beginning, like if it weren't for the moments where we kind of see civilization, like this could have been like 1800s. It could have been. The house they're in and like sort of the vibe in general. Or today, if it was like a hipster house yeah, in the woods. Sure. <laughs> this house is bespoke. Right. Yeah. But I thought that was a really cool aspect of that movie. Definitely. Yeah. When Because they're in a house and it's kind of off in the middle of nowhere and you have to like ride a bike for a while to go get supplies. And it's like the first time you see a car. Yeah. Right. So it definitely could have been something set a long, long time ago. So yeah. uh, I would say overall for story, it was above average. I liked the execution. I liked a lot of the scenes and the editing. It was it was a well put together movie. Not my favorite horror movie I've ever seen, but it was definitely above average. And uh, on Max's recommendation, him endorsing it and me saying it was aight. It's aight, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say check it out. It is streaming on, I believe, Amazon Prime. That sounds right. Uh, but also, you should rent it all the best, support a local business like we do, Yeah, and uh, get a little hard copy in your hands. I've specifically not returned it for like a week so I can get the late fees mm. <laughs> to support local business. You're just supporting them so just hard. Like, <laughs> I got like seven movies I got to return, but... How do I support a business and not leave the house? Right, just don't leave. Just don't just take it back. Go once and then not go back. This is my movie now. I'm going to pay rent on it every week. I do think they have a rule at all the best. If you keep it for more than a month, they just charge you like the $35 or something. Good and, grief, that's expensive. Right. So it's like twice as much as buying the dvd mm-hmm. but whatever um so i saw a movie this week that i've been putting off for many a year it's a film called once it came out in 2009 oh i thought we were gonna do a different movie we're that's... not doing that till later oh, okay it's yeah, gonna be a bothered section at the end of the show for me <laughs> not touching that yet because that's uh, uh a movie that i've been recommending to you yeah. for a very long yes. time yeah i figured i'd start the show on a positive note okay with that that atrocity cool. that is a good, it's that i we'll love get there when we get there my beloved atrocity yeah sure it's my new emo band. So i was gonna say it sounds like an emo band check it out um no the movie's called once it came out in 2009 it is a musical romance uh with glenn hansard and marketa iglova and it's it's music by both of them and it's this very very wonderful movie I, i've known for a very long time that when i watched it i would fall in love with it what makes it wonderful Everything. It's uh it's I ordered the vinyl of the it's what I was listening to earlier today. I ordered the vinyl of the soundtrack. Um and it's a story about this musician played by Glenn Hansard, who is also for his day job like a vacuum repairman. He works in a shop in London or outside of London with his dad. And Again, they just had the, the family vacuums. business. Yeah. <laughs> it's always winds its way into the show. Young Waxwell with um, the vacuum. And then he's he's out there busking on a street and this girl walks by and, and very kind of weird. Uh they're both very weird. And they have this instant connection. It's the craziest chemistry ever. And and they slowly sort of start to discover each other's uh, knacks for music and eventually uh, continue that. I don't want to say too much, but um, they record an album. And the whole process of them getting to know each other and, and understanding each other and what music means to them. And um, it's just a beautifully shot movie. It's like the it's super low budget. Uh, looks it doesn't look particularly beautiful, okay. But the writing and the characters themselves are just one in a million. Nice, it's fantastic. I love it. Would you say that it's um, like a kind of a music centric character study? Yeah, I don't know about even. I don't think I'd even throw character study out there. Um, but it's a, certainly a movie centric or music centric film. Would it be more of like a romance, a drama? I would like, call it a romance. Yeah, because I've never heard anything about this, and neither of our listeners. So you have sure. to give me some yeah, no, footing it's, here. It's, it's a musical drama. Okay. Uh, with mostly romance, lighthearted drama. 
it's very funny at times. I was also crying at the end. Okay. So, so it, it's a it'll run you through the gamut. Yeah, but I think it's a particular audience that it's speaking to. Like, it's not going to affect everybody the way it affected me. I think my musical inclinations definitely weigh in there. It sounded like this movie might have been made for you. Yeah, I think so. But also, like, just the general type of person who believes in romance and and dreaming about stupid things uh, that society would say. That's and, quotes. Society. And, okay. Stupid things. And when you center that around a musical universe, yeah. that really that it's going to speak to you. It's one of my twelve five star reviews on Letterboxd, Woo! and I've I've got a few. Oh uh, shoot! So it means a lot to me. It's a really fantastic movie. Um, I highly recommend if you haven't seen it, check it out once. All right. Uh, where is this available to watch? Because I would actually like to check it out. Do I you know if it's it's not streaming anywhere? I rented it at all the best. I'm sure you could uh, rent it on Amazon Prime. Are you 100? It's not streaming anywhere. No. Yeah, will you check like on Letterboxd 90. real quick? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm gonna marinate on a question because i would like to know a few other five star ratings that you have so once you're opening your letterbox yeah give me like five of your five star ratings after Deal. you figure out did you find where the yes. streaming so so again not streaming for free anywhere you can you can rent it if you have prime okay it's four bucks or you could if you don't have prime you can still rent it on amazon for four dollars um, see i've been doing that a lot lately and i don't mind it no it's fine but also like at that point, it's still not – it's a better deal to go down to All the Best and buy like a five for five combo or whatever it is. Yeah, but they don't let me in there if I'm not wearing pants. That's true. That's a that's a problem you will have leaving your home. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean unless you go to a drive-thru. That's true. For that's, food, yes. Uh, to answer your question though, my five stars um, – and these aren't in order of what I think are best. These are just the ones that come up. Yeah, just um, pepper, pepper me with a few. Get Out, Lady Bird, Moonlight, Logan, Spider-Verse, um, Hereditary – Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Okay. Uh, a Ghost Story, mm. Won't You Be My Neighbor, uh, La La Land's Up There, um, Drive, a couple of stand-up specials. Uh, remind me on the break, I will look up my five-star ratings. Yeah, I will definitely. And I'll, I'll drop that in at some point. Speaking of breaks. Yeah, we should take one, and then we will jump right back into the 2019 Jordan Peele film, Us. Be warned, there are no spoilers, but we're going to talk about it, so I don't know why I'm warning you. So... See you in a minute. <laughs> if you haven't been down to the handlebar in Chico, you guys, please go check them out. They're a great local business located at 2070 East 20th Street. That's right, folks. And they've got an amazing menu with some delicious food. I really enjoy eating there. They've got vegan, vegetarian, all kinds of uh, restricted options, which is important to me can't get down with the lactose more importantly most importantly some would say they've got an amazing happy hour deal every single day of the week from 2 to 6 p.m max what is it they give you a dollar off every single draft beer again from two to six seven days a week you get a dollar off any of their amazing lineup i was just there earlier this week had several beers and then ubered home it's a really good time they support this podcast they support local business if you're here in chico so go check them out again that's the handlebar right here in chico 2070 east 20th street
So that's a trailer, yeah, more or less, for uh, a movie that's really, really hard to talk about without spoiling. So uh, I want to throw that out. We're not going to probably talk a whole lot about the plot. I feel like it's pretty tricky to do that. Segment numero dos will be the vaguest of segments. Indeed. But that was a trailer for us. It's a film written and directed by Jordan Peele. And the uh, the amended Rotten Tomatoes synopsis, I took a few things out to keep things as vague as possible, is this. Accompanied by her husband, son, and daughter, Adelaide Wilson, played by Lupita Nyong'o, vacations to a beachfront home where she spent time as a child in Santa Cruz. Haunted by a traumatic experience from the past, Adelaide grows increasingly concerned that something bad's going to happen. Her worst fears soon become a reality when four strangers descend upon the house. And I think that's plenty of information to uh, to start off with in terms of plot. Yeah. Fair? Yeah. Tell us what you thought overall. Well, I liked it. I think there's, there's a lot here. It's... Um, the, the obvious comparison is going to be to Get Out. It was Jordan Peele's first uh, cinematic debut as a writer and director and um, by all counts a masterpiece and it won it won an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. Though with every Oscar season, I increasingly put less and less weight on what that means. Green Book, yo. Um, Green Book, yo. Um, anyways, this, uh, like I said, stars Lupita Nyong'o as Adelaide. She's the, she's the mother of this family. It also has Winston Duke who plays Gabe, who was, oh, I just had his name from Black Panther, uh, Mbaku, that was his name in that. Uh, so if you're wondering why he looks so familiar, uh, slash a little bit less tough, that's what he's from. Uh, Shahadi Wright Joseph plays their daughter Zora. Evan Alex plays their son Jason. You also have um, small roles from Elizabeth Moss and Tim Heidecker. They play this uh, very, uh, very white couple. I feel like that's a fair way to, to describe them. Yeah, they're a little extra white. A little extra white, yeah. Um, Johnny, what can you tell me about running time, budgets, release date, that sort of thing? Yeah, so this uh, this came out March 22nd, which for us was just yesterday. Uh, it runs about an hour, 56 minute, and it was made on a production budget of $20 million. And I'd say this is rated R for yeah. everything you yeah. could think of, except for sex, probably. Yeah, sure. So everything violence, else is in language. There. Yep. Yep. And so Jordan Peele's Us delivered an absolutely massive $7.4 million Thursday night. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it, for some for some perspective, get, when Get Out came out, it made about one point eight million dollars in the Thursday preview. So this is almost four times that, uh, not quite, but uh, screened in thirty five hundred theaters, roughly, um, and it's projected to make uh, about sixty million, if not more, which is pretty cool compared to last year's uh, sort of big uh, horror movie with um, what is the movie called now? I can't think of it. With the, Halloween, uh, okay. did about seventy six million. Um, so lot of a lot of high hopes for this movie. Um, a lot of it probably coming off of Get Out momentum. Definitely. Uh, but what did, what did you think about this, man? We've we've sat on it for about a day. So, 
Well, yeah, I, I have a lot of thoughts, and I really don't want to talk about most of them until the danger zone. So I feel like this segment's going to be a lot shorter than yeah, normal. I think so. Um, but just in keeping it as vague as possible for the people that haven't seen this movie and don't want spoilers, um, I went into this movie from the perspective of it being a groundbreaking horror film. That's the appraisal, I guess you could say, of some critics I was reading and all the hype going into it. And I would say do not go into this expecting a horror film. Can you can you elaborate on what you mean by a horror film? Um, A traditional quote-unquote horror film. It was, I mean, in a lot of ways it was really, um, it fell into a a ton, it checked a ton of boxes um, that are kind of overused in horror. So there was... Not a, from the horror fan perspective, which is what I was going into it with. There was uh, a bit of overuse of things that have happened in a million other movies. A lot of the scenes felt familiar. A lot of the jump scares were super predictable, like the music swelling before something scary happened. There was just a ton of of horror movie tropes that it that it checked the boxes of. Um, I would say go into this movie wanting something interesting and thought-provoking and overall the plot was pretty unique there was uh some interesting writing like the the overall story which we're not going to get into was was pretty unique and pretty thought-provoking and i think we're going to have a pretty interesting conversation in the danger zone about it um but it definitely in my opinion was not an outstanding horror movie but it was an interesting suspense uh some other kind of movie and overall I think I enjoyed it, but as a horror film, I did not. Overall, as a movie, self-contained for what it was, uh, after I got over the fact on a lot of meditation that it wasn't like the best horror movie of all time, which somebody said they like printed an article and like used it in these advertisements. This is the best horror movie of all time, which is preposterous. But um, as its own movie, not being a horror film, I think it's interesting. I think it's going to spark a lot of conversations and debate. Uh, even to say what it's about. There's been a lot of articles since it came out. I've been on a bunch of Reddit threads and uh, a lot of allegory, if that's the right word. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of comparison and and what it could be about, and uh, I think it's an interesting movie. There was some cool scenes. There was some cool music. There was a lot of humor that didn't land for me. I think a lot of the humor fell short in this movie. Yeah, you have a lot of like deep breaths in the movie, like, <sighs> mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but that points where I was, I, I think, laughing. But, yeah, I felt like yeah. my dissatisfaction might have been palpable because yeah. it was like either go full horror comedy like Shaun of the Dead or go full horror with social commentary. Would it be appropriate to call Shaun of the Dead a comedy horror yes. instead of a horror comedy? Yeah. If we could draw a distinction there. Totally. Okay. You can flip those words around. To me, they mean the same thing, See, I've, but that makes more sense the way you said it. Like a comedy horror, like where comedy is the is the main focal point, like kind of dressed up as a horror movie. Totally. Right? Totally, totally. I think it could have gone that way, but also it could have been a more stern, serious movie without the kind of on-the-nose uh, comedy. You know, it could have been a more serious film with some some deeply embedded social commentary, and it would have uh, been better. I, I liked the way that he did that with Get Out. There, there were funny moments, but they didn't feel forced. And in this film, I thought they were they were definitely forced. And they did not land for me, but I feel like I was in the minority because most of the theater thought there was plenty of chuckle-worthy moments in this film. So that's my take. Uh, as a horror film, not the best. As a film overall, interesting. And dare I say good. Okay. I So um, 
it's hard not to like, I want to just give my own opinion, but I also want to talk about what you just said. So I want to just touch on a couple things. things. Um, so like the scary, I've seen that too, like the scariest movie of a generation. Yeah. Um, and I think it comes out like what you find scary um, totally. for me, like and with, again, without spoiling too much or anything, like the subject matter here, depending on how you read it. And I, I think the, um, one of the strengths of this movie is that unlike get out, it's not tied super neatly at the end. It's not like, this is spoiler alert for get out. Um, this isn't a movie where like old white people are using black young black people's bodies to take advantage like that. It was very clear and everybody's like, yeah, I hate those guys too. And it was neat. This one, I think it's a strength of it is like, there's different themes throughout and you're, you're sort of allowed to, um, you know, project your own meaning onto it. Yeah. Um, and in that same way, I think that the scary, the fear of it can be, uh, translated differently. Like, while it's not the most horrifying movie where it's not like what we'll talk about later, like an antichrist kind of movie. Mm -hmm. Some of the themes that it deals with that I won't mention now, but like are kind of scary, like really terrify me personally. Mm. Um, and, and I think the nature of what you can apply to it, just the essence of being able to put your own fear onto this movie can make it so scary. If that's the kind of thing that scares you. Sure. Whereas and if it misses, like you're not, it's not going to phase you. Yeah. And I think this is one of those movies that requires uh, a bit of reflection because if you're going in just wanting the movie to um, do its own expose on you, like you're gonna, it's going to fall a little flat. Like you really almost have to project something or sure. decide what you want things to mean for it to have value. And I think that was a big part of my initial negative reaction to this movie. Yeah. It was just like, well, that really didn't, it presented me a picture that was there and it was a complete movie, but like, I didn't really attach any, any deeper meaning to it. Like I wasn't reading into the, the metaphors, you know, not as deeply as maybe some people sure. were. Cause like, I like to watch movies at face value, but I, I liked this movie more and more, the more I read about it and read different people's takes on it and stuff. So, yeah, I think that's a really interesting, interesting point, like in terms of the viewing experience and what it can be. So for example, I went in, I think, I think the blindest I've ever gone into a movie in the theaters. I missed every preview, almost every advertisement, like on Instagram or anything. I would just scroll past it and not look at all. So all I knew about this movie um, was that Lupita Nyong'o was in it and it was directed and written by Jordan Peele, who all I know essentially in the cinematic world is get out. So I was almost like looking for those metaphors. Like I was looking mm. for social commentary and, and looking for, non-traditional fear. And I think maybe I found it because of that. Okay. Um, the other thing that I wanted to touch on was that the, the humor aspect of this really did work for me. And whereas Shauna, that it would be a horror or a comedy horror, this is a horror comedy. And I think some of the best jokes come from tension, right? Like you have, you have, whether it's like awkwardness or anger or, or some of the best stand-up specials deal with like building up this really intense awkwardness or, or whatever it is and relieving it with a joke. And I think this movie does that really well, except instead of uh, awkwardness, it's, it's fear. Mm -hmm. Like you have these very tense moments that are broken by these jokes that I didn't see coming necessarily. I feel like they just fell into that a little too comfortably for me. Like it was just, there wasn't, yeah. you know what I mean? I, although I will say, I think there's a particular section of the movie, namely the second act where sort of the home invasion stuff happens mm -hmm. where they do that. And that's kind of the moment where you're allowed to just feel that vibe. And it does kind of get away from that, the first and third bits, but yep. like in those, in that one, like the course of the night that this all happens, like I think they lean into it in a, in a pretty funny way. There's, there's one scene and one line that okay. was the funniest line in the movie. And I'll tell I'm you gonna, in the I'm danger zone down, but, um, cause I want to hear it. Cause I remember you laughing, but now I can't think of what it was. Yeah. Um, 
It's funny going to a movie together. You were like critiquing my watching it. Well, like, I, yeah, like to some. Well, Gianna left. Or just yeah. Uh, shout out to Gianna for making it twenty minutes. Like, uh, we were all at the theater, and Gianna, I think, yeah, like probably twenty twenty five minutes in, got up, like went to the bathroom, as far as we knew, and like didn't come back, and like. 20 minutes later, like we both looked at each other and like, should we just like see what she's on? Like, is she okay? Yeah. Uh, she was in the arcade. She played video games in the uh, Cinemark arcade for like an hour. Mm-hmm. So respect. It's like, but then of course it's like the moment she left, like within five minutes, we're like, okay, wait, this isn't necessarily a traditional horror movie. Like you'd probably be okay coming back in. Mm-hmm. Um, but more to the point, like it's not a traditional scary movie. It's only going to scare you essentially if you let it, I mm-hmm. think. Um, let's see. That's, I think, oh, I just want to say Lupita Nyong'o's performance. Um, and I, I don't know how much I want to say, uh, was very good. Okay. Very, very good. Uh, there's, let's say multiple aspects to it. Sure. Um, and, and they're so good. Like there's a particular part of it that really got me. What you want to say isn't a spoiler if you've seen a trailer. Oh, that's probably true. Okay. Well, so there's like doppelgangers. They're the, the four people that are trying to invade them are based essentially like they're clone. They're like, they they're us. just like them. Yeah. They're us. Um, so when she has to act as the, as the doppelganger, it's like. Ooh, like the voice and the way she moves, especially in a final sequence where that's spoilery. Like, I won't say anything about it, like, but like just the way she like yeah. holds herself and, and you get to see the two of them together. It's like, you did both of these things. Like at the same, it's creepy. Like yeah. it creeps me out, man. Yeah. You never hear her speak in the trailer and it was, uh, oh. well, I won't say anything about it, but like, no, I'm just saying it was voice. really, really crazy hearing that, that yeah, the, what Whoa. she chose to do. Yeah. I actually have a note on that for the danger zone that I'll make sure to touch on. But. Yeah. Um, so any more overall thoughts? Were there no. things you want to talk about in this section or should we just leave it at this vague as F? I think we should leave it vague and maybe just rate it. And I'm going to take points to myself for remembering to rate it this time. Yeah. yeah. Good job. This is the first time in like a month. <laughs> it has been a month. Yeah. Well, we're going to skip to our third section. Sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah. So let's keep it vague and, and, and then rate it and probably just jump to a break. I think it's fine with me. Yeah. Okay. Um, your thoughts. Your, your rating, I suppose. Yeah, you've had enough of my thoughts. Yeah, right. You know them. You've right. heard them. I hate it when I see you write down what you're gonna write down. I just don't. I want to. I was like, I actually I was, do that because I was hovering. I don't want you to feel like I stole yours. So I, like, I write mine down and I cover it just to be clear. Mm-hmm. Like I have my rating. Yeah. All right. Uh, I want to rate this with a heavy asterisk that I feel like this movie not only deserves demands a rewatch. Sure. Uh, I will have another rating on this and a com- probably different take or. Um, um, yeah, it'll be different. Uh, so for now I'm going to give it a seven flat. Um, I think it has the potential in rewatching it to really blossom and I will probably catch a lot more and look at it with fresh eyes and, uh, probably just not, I was a little tired when we saw sure. it. So there's, and I usually bring a, a clean canteen full of a cocktail sure. to a movie and I didn't do that. So there's a lot of, uh, factors outside yeah. of, of, you know, everything that also holler to those drunk people that actually moved seats. Yeah. Did they you were, notice that? Yeah. They, they, they were cool. Down. They were uh, super loud when they sat down, they were like a row behind us. And I was like, this is going to be, it's going to be one of those times. I was like, to, we're going to get a fight today. I was, that's what I was thinking. Cause yeah. drunk dudes like to fight. They do like at to movies, fight, especially and like stereotyping that kind of drunk guy. Like his girl is there. And like, if we say something, he's like, what'd you say to my girlfriend? I'm like, all right, dude. Yeah. Good out of here. And he, they ended up moving to like the front. But row. you know what, bro? Bruh. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna go to war with you. I was ready. Yeah. Yeah. We was gonna go same, down. Same page. Yep. 
So seven for you. Yeah. Seven flat. Cool. Pending a rewatch. I'm actually going to throw out that same caveat. I think a rewatch would be great. We've only had a data processes. I've also read a couple articles. There's a lot thematically to mine from this movie. I'm going to give it an eight. I think the vision and the originality of this movie are fantastic. Really good qualities. Um, that seems to be less and less the case. I just watched Infinity War the other night with Gianna, and it's <laughs> like I'm still a little burnt out on sort of like the same superhero thing or remakes or whatever it might be. Sort of like to see an original idea from a director and writer who is a person of color and not necessarily the person who's always making movies in Hollywood. Seriously. I'm into this. So I'm going to give it an eight. Uh, also pending a rewatch, I think it will only get better as it ages. Yep. Fair. Fair. I cannot wait to watch it again. Huzzah. Let's jump to a break. When we come back, we are going to spoil this movie. But before we do that, we're going to talk about our second beer and probably get into some personal stuff with Hot and Bothered. It's another segment we do. Were you going to say something? You took a deep breath like you were about to. I just maybe hadn't taken a deep breath in a while. Welcome back to Oxygen. Felt good. Uh, No, I don't know. I was probably going to say something. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a long danger zone. Yeah, it's like fair right. warning now. The the bulk of the meat, the heart, the bones, yeah, yeah. the soul of this sure. episode yes. are gonna be in the, the next twenty minutes yeah, to it, an hour. If you're one of those people that's like, I'll just listen to the danger zone and then maybe go see the movie because they're probably not gonna spoil that much. Oh not, no. Not the time. It's unavoidable. Yeah. This I think movie so. is massively uh hinging on these spoilers. So if you have any inclination to go see this movie before it gets spoiled, do it now. Otherwise, you've been warned. Welcome to the Danger Zone, where Johnny is pouring our second and final beer of the day. This is another beer from my trip to Oregon. It is an uh, Imperial IPA from December. It was bottled December something of 2018, and it's called Megafauna. It's about to get motherfucking dangerous. Brewed by Laurel Wood Brewing Company out of Portland. That's our second Portland beer of the day, so we should take a shot of whiskey for that, just to be sure. Now, before I tell you about the face Johnny is making with the potential uh, oldness of this beer, there was some stuff floating around, and you know, we weren't sure if it was maybe parts of the megafauna this is referencing. Maybe they threw a moose hoof into the brewing batch here. I don't know. It's a 9.5% uh, double IPA. It's got an average rating or aggregate rating on untapped of 4.15 out of 3,980. So by all all measurements, this should be a good beer. Uh, I'm not going to read this entire description, even though I thought I was going to. But basically, this beer takes its name from the ginormous animals of the Pleistocene. You peasants might know that as the Ice Age. There were giant old elephants and what do you call the things from Ice Age? The big He's the big mammoth. Mastodons. Uh, saber-toothed cats, that sort of thing. Uh, very, very large. They were big. They were hairy. Uh, and this beer is going to do some of that to us. Or smells big and hairy. That means, yeah, it's going to make us big and hairy. <laughs> um, okay, you've had a couple of steps. Before you give your full feedback, I'd like to drink it. Um, so please don't ruin this for me, but I'm just going to pour it. I don't see sediment yet, but it is the color of uh, a bloody sunrise, like when the hobbits were taken. Two Isengard. I've had pukes recently that I'd not rather yet, not drink. Yet, not yet, not yet. Instead of that, mm. Jesus Christ. I don't mind. That's hey. pretty good. <laughs> Wait, hang on. It's not as bad as you're saying. It's not as, like, I feel like the Ugh. initial taste, you need to not be Ugh. so hyperbolic. It's not as bad as vomit. It's not good. That's like your opinion, man. This is this is an old, clearly was not refrigerated, um, uh, very metallic, very um, malty, heavy, intense beer. I just, all the energy just left my body. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's because your red blood cells are sending it to your mouth to keep it alive. All of it. Yeah, there's yeah. an infection in my <laughs> mouth, and it's called this fucking beer. Um. All right. It smells bad. So from the jump, well, it smells atrocious. It's yeah. It smells like an old IPA. It smells like an old strong IPA to me. It smells like a homeless man's cardboard shelter that's been seeing too much rain lately. Or seen the vomit after he's been out on a night of drinking. And some piss. There's some sure. piss in Just there. Just all of the things. Just a, an amalgam of liquids absorbed into cardboard. So it's hard to hard to come back from that and give this any decent review, but I'm no, I'm gonna we're up to the challenge. Let's uh I don't know. No, we can't rate no, sure we can. No, why? We can't it's rate a, it? Well, sure, it's a zero. It's not a zero. It's a zero. I've had worse beers than this, hands down. This is not the worst alcoholic malt and hop no, drink I've ever had. No, you drank Four Loco. Duh. No, that's not a beer. But I've literally, I've had worse beers than this. Not what? fresh ones, necessarily. Still, I have not had a beer that has been worse than that Angel City IPA when we did uh, whatever that movie was. I think this is right there with that. Maybe it is. Maybe this it's is desperate. fucking right in that ballpark, guy. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Save the Canadian accent for hot and bothered. Um, okay, so if this is a zero for you, this is you're not going to drink what's in your glass. No, I know that, um, and it's not that bad for me. I you. would rather eat the bottle. <laughs> okay, I'm a little pissed right now. So, as we're wrapping up this review, I can only imagine that's what we're doing. This is Megafauna by Laurelwood Brewing out of Portland, Oregon. This might be old or properly not stored, so maybe if you've had this beer and you're like one of the three, almost 4,000 people on Untapped that think it's really good, uh, tell us why you think ours is not good. Maybe it's old. Maybe it's not been refrigerated, uh, et cetera. Maybe we with, have bad taste. I don't know. I'm going to go with all of the above. Sure. So give me. is it really a zero? Yeah. This is awful. It feels like it can't be a number. I feel like you have to give it at least point one or something. Why? Because zero is like, it, I don't know. It just seems like this unattainable level of garbage that shouldn't be accessible to the human mouth. It just I don't know. Are you going again? It's, it's sniffing. Sniffing and thinking. Um, uh, it makes my nose angry. It, it's, yeah. It's not ideal, my friend. It's not close to ideal. It's closer Ugh. to unideal. Fuck off. It tastes like rotten fruit <laughs> yeah but like not like it not like a banana like a, like a mango like a, prune, like a like rotten a, like a prune like if yeah. you have prunes in the sun yeah and just like squeezed them into a bottle you just chugged your whole glass it's a it's a three ounce glass but i don't think it's that bad i think it's that bad i you know i'm not gonna say i like it but i, I don't hate it i'm okay with this it's not great <laughs> there's a there's a heavy dose of like caramely maltiness at the end that i'm i'm not wild about but i think it's covering up some stronger off flavors so whatever give me your real number pick whatever i won't hassle you give me whatever number <clears throat> i can't deal with you right now why not it's I, not I, that bad i can't deal with you right now is it my me not hating it part yeah it's I, it's I, not i, I don't I it's not that bad I, I can't give me a number damn it <sighs> I can't. I did. I don't want to rate this beer. It's not worth a fucking rating. I can put not available on on the notes. Uh, no, put I fucking refuse. Okay. I, I'm going to just, I'm going to acronym that. I-F-R. Yep. Fucking refuse. Okay. I refuse. I will not put another drop of this in my mouth. That's nah, too high. I think there's something wrong with your mouth. That That's probably fair. Uh, and I suppose now is as good a time as any is to tell you I'm going to give it a two and a half. I'm fine with that. I am still going to pour it delicately. Guys, it's been a great run. Uh, it's It's been a real fun time Come doing this on. podcast it's with not, you. At least I'm not saying it's like a seven. You're going back for more. Yeah, I want to drink more. What? 
It's not. It's not that weird. You need to have some self respect. This dude. is look, man. We did this one time with a stout, and I said, I said I don't like it, but I'm gonna drink it, and you well, said here, drink why. Mine. Oh, thanks. Yeah, just uh, drink not mine. sure if that's a proper response, but I acknowledge that. Um, I'm opening another beer. Yeah. Anyways, you said the stout. I said I'm gonna drink it. You said why? I said I don't know. And then you said life's too short to drink bad beer. And I said good point. We didn't drink it. You said I think I think this beer deserves to have a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale drink in its face. And we drank that. This beer is not as bad as whatever that beer was. I can't remember what episode that was, but this is fine. I'm gonna drink it. I'm, it's fine. It doesn't bother me nearly as much. What is bothering me is how much time I am spending talking about how average it is. I don't have the energy to defend average beers anymore in my life. So we are moving into Hot and Bothered. Yeah. Uh, the section of the show where we talk about things about our lives. It doesn't have to be movies. It doesn't have to be shows. We're it can be whatever. We're still going to talk about us for like an hour. Yeah, yeah we got to get there. Yeah. We'll talk, right. about, we'll talk about us for sure. But before that, definitely, I know that you have a Netflix show that I have seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Netflix was like, hey, a show you should watch. Yeah. I mean, I haven't watched it, but I did, once you mentioned it was going to be yours, I looked it up. Um, and I have mixed feelings about what I saw. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on on what I assume is Love, Death, and Robots. Yes. Hit me. I am two episodes in. So I have a very small area to judge this on. But what I've seen, I absolutely love. It is okay. dope. It is totally not safe for work. There's nudity and gore and robot violence, and it's all CGI. So it's it's basically like a Diablo, like a video game cutscene, um, but very very high quality produced graphics. You'll hear voices that you recognize. I think Topher Grace is involved in this. Oh, really? A few other people, some voice actors you'll recognize, and it's all 18 standalone episodes, and they're all short, which is really cool. The first one was like. 17 minutes the second one's 11 minutes long yeah that's what i read is like like there's some as short as like five or six minutes yeah it's really fun man Uh, if you uh are like me into like sci-fi horror fantasy if you're into like violence and nudity and robots and swearing like and like all kinds of crazy stuff and in the second one there's a bunch of cats that talk it's amazing so uh, yeah, what I've seen so far, I really, really, really like, and I'm probably going to digest the rest of this show either tonight or tomorrow. Yeah. So I, I read there's like two and a half hours of material at most. That's so doable. Totally. And the fact that there are all these little nuggets of just like, it reminds me of uh, visualized graphic novels. Oh, sure. It's very graphic novel especially just with the small chunks. It's like reading a chapter or an episode of like a weekly graphic novel. So um, if you have very similar tastes to me, you listen to the show, you know what I like. Uh, this show was like made for me. I, I love it. It's like Star Wars with like headshots. So similarly, if you listen to the show, you know my taste. Johnny, would you say that I should I would enjoy this show? I think it'd be something that you could probably put on in the background and kind of be in and out of. Um, okay. Or maybe put on one that sounds interesting. Right. Because they're all very different. The first one is very... Um, kind of like mech warriors where you can control a robot, but they're like actual like aliens. Oh, that's like gamer. Yeah. Yeah. But like a person is controlling like a giant monster alien and they're fighting like gladiator style. That's kind of like, like that, the, you know what I'm talking about? The yeah, huge, yeah, yeah. Gamer uh, was Jackson, with, uh, not Gerard Hugh, Butler. Gerard Butler was, yeah. yeah. But okay. so instead of using a, an actual person as your quote unquote alien. avatar, they use aliens and like monster looking things. It's really cool. Okay. And then the second episode is three robots touring a destroyed city 
in a dystopian future where all humans are dead. Okay. And they're going through and like looking at uh, a VCR and like, like what is this? Yeah. Technology? And they were just, yeah. yeah. And they meet a cat and they're like, what did this do for humans? And it right, was just right. this exposition on like robots looking at human remnants and trying to figure out and like explain That's the fun. purposes of stuff. And right, right. it kind of takes a, a, a few stabs at the, the silliness of humanity and right. how we're just ruining the planet and stuff. So, but I mean, there's jokes and there's funniness and there's, it's, it's a really interesting first two episodes. Right. So, so what I read is like, so it's an anthology series. So like, it's not a sequential thing where you have different stories in every, every time. And, um, the, the one that comes to mind when I think of Netflix is like black mirror, right? Sure. Um, and black mirror deals almost, almost exclusively with, uh, technological, uh, problems more mm-hmm. or less. Um, and how those technological problems affect sort of the the moral landscape of humanity. And what I read about this show is that it's not quite so serious, not so morally intense. Totally. But does, for the most part, deal with the concepts of love, death, and or robots, oftentimes two or more of those things. Um, so I'd like to check it out. I, I know there's some that I'm not going to like as much as others, but I do think it's an interesting concept. Yeah, and I like the um, the short story format. It's really cool to see Netflix branching out to things like this. Um, in the same vein, completely different category, but as uh, Buster Scruggs, oh sure, was you know I think six chapters, yeah, self-contained like narrations, um, kind of the same idea. I really like the smaller format, just little chunks of content. Mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting direction, and it's uh, really it seems it to be allowing some artistic freedom. So, if you can endorse that out of a, a large streaming format, I say why the hell not? I also think it's really cool. Like I, I can't remember the guy's name right now, but I think these are all written by like one dude, which is sort of like back to the point we were saying earlier, like of, of, of big breweries or big corporations buying little ones. So like the people can still do their stuff. Um, anyways, I think these were all written mostly by one guy. Yeah. They were all written by one dude and directed by 18 different people. That's crazy. It's good times. Yeah. Yeah. Do you uh, like remember the guy's name that did the, did the writing for these? Philip Galat. Galat. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, really interesting, like approach to, the whole idea uh, of of having this cohesive vision, yeah, and then being like, "All right, you do this, you do this, but stick to the script, basically." Yeah, it reminds me of the ABCs of Death quite a bit. Why does that sound familiar to me? What uh, is was, that? There was uh, ABCs of Death one and two. They're both feature length films, and they uh, are all horror shorts based on every letter of the alphabet, like VHS were, kind of stuff. What's that? VHS. It's a the widest range, every genre imaginable. There's one that was just all about fighting dogs with your fists in like I swear to God, gladiator you talked about combat. This. You yeah, talked I have about talked this on the about show, this. right? Because I remember the dog fighting with fist thing. Yeah, either on the show or off, we have discussed okay, this. But yeah. it was the same kind of idea where it's like you have all these different segments, all written and directed, and have completely different feels. They're mm-hmm. all just by different people, so it's kind of that same concept, just in a sci-fi robot uh, universe which is all CGI. So sure. different take, fresh take. Uh, it's nice to see something unique and um, interesting like that pop yeah. up on Netflix. It's, Fair enough. Yeah. So that was mine. What do you have that is either hot and or bothersome? Sure. So I have, I have two things. One, I think I can speak for both of us. I recently discovered a show that people have been recommending to me for a very long time. It's on Hulu. It's called Letterkenny. Yes. It is an office slash trailer park boys adjacent uh can you call it a sitcom? That's not right, is it? 
Uh, it's more of like a sketch comedy sure. almost. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's about this group of friends who live in a sort of boonie town in, in Canada called Letterkenny. There's 5,000 people. Um, and the way that they phrase it in the intro of the show is there's uh, there's hicks, skids. Uh, uh, what do they call the emo kids? Something. Skids. The skids are the hockey players, no? No. And jocks. Okay, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's basically a sketch comedy show where um not sketch. No, like yeah, it's script, not sketch. Scripted comedy. Yeah. Um and there's seven seasons of it and it's really goofy. Like like if you think arrested development in terms of how the comedy forms itself, like over time you get these recurring jokes. Um, and it's all Canadian humor. I love which it. Is like, like I didn't know how funny I thought that was, but there's like Canadian lingo and Canadian references, and like they call cocaine schneef, schneef. Like they're like <laughs> the what the weirdest little thing that you latch onto. And for the past week or so, uh, Gianna and I have been uh, quoting them, and I understand when I saw you and Shalina, like it's it's a thing. It's a thing now. I I, I texted Johnny. Um, I don't know, like at 11 o'clock last yeah. weekend or something. Like a, like, it was on a Friday. So yeah, I knew were, I was up yeah. more than likely drinking. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I said something like, hey, man, like, have you ever heard of Letterkenny? And you were like, maybe I've heard of it. Like somebody told me about it. I was like, you should watch it. He, he, you said, like, I got a new video game. I can't do it. And I said, listen, you got to stop what you're doing. You have to watch this show. It's very funny. So like a good goddamn friend. Exactly. I did. You did. And it's it's a very funny show. And I have yet to find somebody who doesn't love it. Um, our friend friend of the show, Sean, a friend of mine as well. I don't think you've met Sean yet, but still. Eventually it will happen yeah. in person. It's not like Brian. No. <laughs> and Sean loves it as well. It's, it's a very funny show. It's very accessible, I think. If, if you're a Patreon member, didn't Sean call us yes. last week? <laughs> Was that last week? Yeah, yeah. Sean FaceTimed us during recording and our bonus content, and uh, now he is on the bonus content forever for yeah. all of human existence. Um, but anyway, so like, I'll, I'll I talked to Sean earlier this week, and like, we were just talking about Letterkenny, and it's so funny and it's so weird and awkward. I will say the only um, maybe hesitance is like if you're if you're particularly um, averse to like swearing, like there's a lot of that. It's for adults. If yeah. you like. Um trailer park boys or always sunny you'll sure. like this yeah like there's there's but some, it's yeah. it's uncensored like there's yes. there's fucks and there's shits and yeah totally yeah it's it's very for adults i will also say like there's there's certain aspects of the show that really burn me out like some of the side characters i'm i'm really over but i'm sticking around because i love the core characters oh, so they're much great. they're so good and there's like six seasons on hulu there, I think there's seven. That's great. I'm so we have to go. I want to watch said, it now. Yeah, I was so bummed. Like, there's only like seven episodes per season, and there are TV half hours for like 23 minutes. But mm-hmm. um, still, a lot of really good content. Um, if you are a listener who happens to like identify more with my sensibilities, I will say you can you can easily skip season one, episode three. It's called Fart Book. Didn't do it for me. I thought it was hilarious. That said, if you're somebody who identifies with Johnny's humor sensibilities you're gonna love season or, one episode three or if you're someone that thinks farts are funny yeah basically so um, yeah me or you i reduced you to your fart yeah, sensibilities thank you but i am fart anyways that's letter kenny check it out on hulu that's the only place you can watch it um that was my hot i, I hear that you've got a real spicy bothered so a couple a couple months ago maybe more than that uh, we talked about lars von trier he's a director very controversial and you said, yeah, I've seen one of his movies called Antichrist. It's with uh, Willem Dafoe and another woman named Charlotte Gainsbourg, who is also in his film. Uh, it's a two-part film called Nymphomaniac. Um, and and Johnny says to me, you got to watch Antichrist. It's um, it's it's very Lars von Trier, essentially. 
And it's been on my radar since then. And I never had a chance to watch it until uh, till this week. I rented it from All the Best, had a really good conversation with Michael at All the Best about uh, watching it or not watching it. Uh, we both understood it was not his kind of movie. Probably wasn't going to be mine, my kind of movie. Um, and it wasn't. But it's it's very intense. I will say off the bat, if you like purposeful cinematography, I think you can appreciate this movie if nothing else. I love this movie so much. Right. I've watched it probably five or six times. Right. I won't spoil anything about it, but there are some very, 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 very intense parts of this movie that um, wouldn't wouldn't make the theaters for sure. This is way beyond an R rating. Yeah, it's it's it's. It's explicit. It's very explicit, and and sometimes I complain about uh, the the rating system in in America in particular because like they will censor like people having consensual passionate sex, whereas they will just show somebody being tortured. This is sort of a mix of both of those things at points. Like there's very aggressive, violent sexual scenes, mm-hmm. and it's hard to watch. I think that's a fair blanket statement. At I was points. nauseous the first time. Yeah, yeah. It's it's as graphic as you can imagine. Yeah, sure. it's it's really intense. Um, it opens up and it kind of lets you know what's happening in the rest of the movie. Like there's this whole intro scene, and I, and I won't spoil anything here because I think it's a movie that is, for better or for worse, you're you're better off going in blind. Um, even though it will affect you more if you don't know what's happening. I happen to know sort of what was coming for a lot of it, um, not including Willem Dafoe. And uh, I just you know, I I wrote on my letterbox review. I said. Um, I said, honestly, there's some beautiful shots in this movie. Uh, take almost any of the black and white scenes in this. But man, those few cringy scenes really got to me and not in a good way. I don't think I'm ever going to watch it again. Uh, actually, I think I said, I, I don't think I'm ever going to make myself sit through this again. But in a weird way, I'm glad I watched it. See, I want to watch it again right now. And it, like, it's one of those things like there are some like there's this great shot of Willem Dafoe standing outside of a cabin in super slow motion. And there's these acorns falling around him and like. There's this really disturbing sex scene where they're outdoors and there's tree roots and there's hands reaching up. Um, but the really disturbing stuff for me personally, don't think I'll be revisiting anytime soon. Yeah. Would you say that this is a movie that was like made for me to be passionate about? I don't even think no? so. No, because I loved it so yeah. much. Yeah. Um, mainly because it was just, there was so much artistic vision. Right. And it was just like, it was a breath. It was like watching a crazy violent painting. Yeah, right, especially those slow-mo shots. Like, yeah, like it felt like art. The the hard thing about this movie is like it toes the line a little bit too closely for me between artistic vision and like sexual torture porn. Mm. Or actually just torture porn. If you think porn is sexual and torture is pain, they do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think it's a little bit too close to the point where it sacrifices the artistic side of things and the story for for want of or for wanting to like just show like crazy shit. And it's like, I get it. Um, but after seeing us then watching this the next day, like I don't want to see any more scissors in my life ever. <laughs> uh, so like, that's, I don't know, maybe it's contextual for me, but um, no, I, th- I think this movie could have been better. And I feel like I talk about, or I feel this way about a lot of Lars von Trier stuff. Like the, th- there's like one aspect of a movie that keeps it from being really, really good. I felt the same way about Nymphomaniac. The ending is very problematic to me, but should I watch those? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think so. I like his style, so yeah. I, I should probably check it out. Yeah, I think I think Nymphomaniac is particularly less um, uh, artistically inclined, but narratively very rich and, and could say a lot about sexual trauma or um, exploitation or things of that nature, especially intertwined. But it, like the ending just, it's like, it's so, 
it's so out of character for the people that are in this, the last scenes and like hmm. kind of ruins the movie. Okay. Um, and I think this uh, Antichrist would have been so much better if it had not quite gone so extreme for what seems to be uh, no good reason. Yeah, I thought that it pushed it like beyond boundaries and it was pretty metal. Like yeah, I like that sure. they did that, but I mean, sure. we watch movies very differently. So yeah, yeah it, take this one with a grain of salt and don't watch it with your kids. Yeah, of course, do not watch it with Obviously. your kids. Obviously. We should get back to us. Yeah. So people haven't forgotten in case you have. That's what we're talking about this episode. Yes. It's been like an hour. Yeah, it's been a minute. I feel like it's been. It's been. I feel like it's been many, many a moon. It's been three hours since we mentioned us. So when we left the theater yesterday, you were not a huge fan of us. Um, It seems as though you've changed a little bit. Not you and me. You and I, we are. You and I are both big fans of us. Yes. Um, But the movie you were not super wild on. It seems as though you've liked it a little bit more since uh, we've talked. Yeah, I think the reasons that I didn't like it initially were pretty clear in my my first take there in segment two. Just not being the horror movie that I wanted it to be. But um, the more I read about this movie, the more I like it. So should we just break down the overall plot? I I'd actually like in, in the interest of time, maybe just assume that people who wanted to see this have seen it and not worry about huge plot stuff. Well, like we say, we do talk about it in the danger zone. Like we all just left the theater. Yeah. So like if, if, if the thing that you're going to talk about specifically needs explaining plot wise, say it, but I don't think we should break down the entire movie. Okay. Um, but so, so what, I don't know. What do you want to touch on first? I suppose. Well, they're all clones. Right. Um, so let's just dive right in this. This movie was weird, and there they were all clones, What's and all this, the clones right. lived underground. Let's establish the word tethered. They are the, yeah. they refer the, to themselves as the tethered. The idea was the government, uh, I guess, wanted to clone people so that they could control people above ground, mm-hmm. um, and that didn't super work. They were able to clone the bodies, but not the the souls, as they put it. Yeah. So you have sort of these these two populations that are virtually identical. Um, in both appearance and action, mm-hmm. and one is essentially tethered to the, the the lower ground underground. Call it the sunken place, if you will. Sure, are tethered to the above ground folks, and they just have to do what they do because that's the decision making is upstairs. Mm-hmm. Okay, clones. Yeah, and it, it all started with the little girl in the the thing. Right. There's a big twist, which we'll get to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fucking weird, man. Uh, there was things I didn't like about it, and I want to talk about them. Sure. Uh, the way there's this initial introduction to these tethered people. The driveway stuff? Yeah, the driveway stuff, and then the, like the 15 minutes after that. And I feel like the whole family that we were observing really just gave the fuck up. Yeah, in terms of like defending not, themselves not or Not fighting back yeah. at all. And that really kind of just pissed me off. I was like, this is so right. Okay. Like, yeah. Whatever. They're just like, oh, I guess we're captured sure. now. Sure. Let's all sit in a row neatly on the couch. I don't think it should be underappreciated. Like the, 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 whatever sensation you might feel being face to face with your exact copy of all of you. Like, I don't know how I'd act. Like, I don't know how to be like, let's fucking go. Like, I might be like, all right, whatever. You know more than me. I'll just sit here. But yeah, maybe not. I don't, I don't know. know. Just wanted to say that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't trust anybody that's all wearing the same shit, man. Yeah. That's like a rule of life, bro. Yeah. If you get approached by like six people and they're all wearing the same outfit, mm-hmm. fucking run. Yeah, you got to go. Yeah. They're either going to rape you or kill you yep. or make you join their the sex above. cult. Yep. And then both will happen later. So that really kind of lost me. Okay. Um, 
that was just one of those things. Like I like horror movies that are at least somewhat realistic in the, that sort of aspect of things. But, um, it was interesting the way it progressed. Definitely. Like they had this set of friends. I don't know. Like you said, we're not going to break down the whole plot. Let's just spoilers. And what do you want? What do you want to talk about? Well, I wanted to, to vamp off what you were saying there. Like, um, do you remember watching, sorry to bother you. There was a point in that movie where, like for me at least, I started to realize like this is not fully in reality anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think when I saw that those were exact copies of them, I was like, okay, this is not completely realistic. Therefore, I'm not going to necessarily hold them to the same reactionary standards I normally would. When like uh what's that movie? It's a horror movie. Um uh like same situation, like somebody breaks into the house, like last house on the left, maybe. Okay. Or the strangers is a probably good example. Mm-hmm. Like in that case, it's purely horror, pretty by the book. When somebody walks in, like they leave the group to go explore the garden to make sure there's no, like in that movie, I'd be like, no, no, no go back inside. Yeah. You're going to be killed. I didn't, ha- I didn't hold these guys at the same standard. I feel like this was a different sort of, I was analyzing it differently, I guess. Yeah. When they first all sat down on the couch and they were just like staring at this mm-hmm. other them. Yeah. I was thinking for sure that this is all a dream. Oh, sure. Okay. Like this has got to be. I would have been pissed. Right? Man. But I was like, that's a real possibility. Like this could just be her trauma. Sure. Yeah. Which is kind of what I want to, I wrote that down in my notes, like jumping back to sort of the three act structure of this movie, the whole first act I think is sort of focused around, um, Adeline's trauma from, from being a kid. Mm -hmm. Like you have these kind of flashbacks to her, the therapy sessions with her family and, um, I think this movie can act for the most part pretty effectively as like a, an examination of how a young person might internalize that sort of thing. Yeah, but that's because that wasn't her. Right. She but even if it was. Switched. Even if it was. There was like, a switch. There was a switch, uh, which also we should talk about. Uh, I have a something in my notes here about that. I wrote it in cursive. I don't know. I switched to cursive on what the back the of my What the fuck? Notes. Yeah, earlier. I, I, I was going to ask you, like, did your grandma come over? Nope, that was me. Okay. Um Anyways, but I think I think that there is a lot of viability here in terms of like before you know that twist, like this girl is cl- clearly having a hard time with um dealing with what might have happened to her and, and as far as I'm concerned, like you get this part where she wanders away from her family and then it's through the eyes of this kid. So, uh potentially this could have been like this is a kid internalizing their trauma and it could have been any number of things like that 11-11 dude could have molested her. Like it could have been and this like which did not help that I saw a thriller t-shirt. I was like, oh, molestation again. Like, maybe that's that. Uh, a lot of Michael Jackson in this movie. Well, yeah, the red outfits and the, the, glo- one, the glove. one glove. Yeah, that like, was all a direct shout out to the thriller music video. Right, and I was like, maybe this is a whole allegory for, like, molestation as a kid. Like, how you deal with that trauma. I don't know. Yeah, and there's been a lot of people writing about the different things that this movie kind of encapsulates and portrays. Mm. Uh, there's been talk of, you know, race Sure. Uh, um, class inequality, definitely politics, uh, and also slavery. Oh, I didn't. Don't think I read. Yeah, about I read a few comments on on Reddit about how this could potentially be about like slavery, hmm. um, because like the the tethered. Yeah, you know, like the the main chick was like in chains the whole time. There sure. was a lot of parallels there, and then like okay. they felt like they were uh, only serving and like. Um, their whole purpose was sure, to just sure. do and so they got free the whole point was they were fighting for freedom and then the hands across america thing was to like be seen right kind of like an emancipation proclamation type act okay yeah so and then there was also parallels with red being the color of the republican party oh, um that and seems then, reaching um, to me yeah well 
I'll I'll try and find sure. some of the stuff, but I mean, it was interesting about how um, that was where the class stuff came in, like yeah. people that have been disenfranchised rising up. You know, right? So totally. They, I mean, like branch off. I literally wrote the word classism in my notes. Um, like. It, it, this idea that like your circumstances dictate your life. And if you don't, if you don't take it literally like them being actual clones, like mm-hmm. um, if you take them as being like metaphors for people in the world who by no fault of their own, like are just advantaged or disadvantaged. Um, like there's somebody in the world right now who is essentially probably just like me, except didn't have the ability to go to college or whatever. Like doesn't have a roof over their head. Sure. And, and it's not, I don't mean to do it, but there's actions that I do that probably in some ripple harm that person. And like, like this idea that there's this whole class of people underneath us, literally in this case, yeah, that we're affecting is a very, like, that's a fucking scary thing. Like that's, yeah. Well, and that I metaphor was not even subtle. Fair. Like they were literally beneath, beneath us. us. Yeah, sure. Like that's, that's, that's some, some stuff that's not hard to, to yeah. read through. Yeah. So there, there was a lot to this movie. That's why I want to watch it again so yep. bad because yep. there's so much metaphor. Yeah, just like with Get Out, but with Get Out, it was so presented to you. Yeah, like it I'm, was. Yeah, I mean, there was more to it. Like we got into it in our episode, which I kind of want to go back and listen to. Now. I was just thinking that, like, I don't remember how I felt. Like I've seen Get Out at this point probably like four or five times. And I don't remember my feelings after the first. I know I didn't get all of it. No, there was no way you could have. Right. And is that just Jordan Peele's thing now? Right. So I'm wondering if, like, after a couple more views, if, like, this is going to be the same way in my brain. Like, oh, no, this is a great movie. Like, you should have. Look at all these things. Yeah. And, like, I just don't get it yet. And I feel like all these people that are giving out, like, five stars and writing rare reviews yeah, are, like, they they're just, just seeing something I don't. Exactly. Yeah. And, like, I don't know if I get it fully. But, like, the more I read about it, the more I think I get it. Sure. Um, because it was definitely about the people in it. But it was as much about social issues and social constructs and sure. race and a lot of other stuff. So right. that's a pretty cool piece of art that it could be about one thing and telling a story and be right. steeped in metaphor and tell a whole nother story. There's a so the movie opens with this sort of commercial. I, I think that's probably about this is I think 1986. Yeah. Um, with a hands across America thing. Mm-hmm. And there's there's two things that sort of establish the motivation for the uh the 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 tethered lupita's character yeah could you look up the bible verse please oh yeah um but the hands across america was if you don't know was an initiative to essentially raise money for the uh underprivileged and uh poor people in america but the 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 bible verse that keeps coming up is jeremiah jeremiah 11 11 yep. and it reads therefore thus saith the lord behold i will bring evil upon them which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. And then the hands across America is like this thing where, where um, it was supposed to raise awareness for hunger. Yeah, essentially. And, and you can read into this if you want. Like, I think they raised like 15 or $16 million or maybe it's more than that. I, I don't have my numbers right, but a lot of the money ended up going towards like organizing costs and fees and stuff. And so like only a small portion actually went to helping. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a whole nother conversation, but the day that we meet the young Adeline, like she hears about that and she hears about that Bible verse from that guy with it painted on his head or on his sign. Yeah. And then she gets abducted and like her two motivating factors while she's in this underground place to start this rebellion are like those, those are her two big things, like big thing that nobody's going to help you with, even if you're crying out loud and also bring in awareness. And how can we bring awareness to the downtrodden people, AKA like the people in the underground? Let's just copy what 
the TV was saying. We'll just make a big chain of people and do that. Yeah, I think you need to clarify the the abduction and the switching oh, sure. a little too. You can. You want to do it? Uh, it's confusing. So so it hurts my fucking head a little. Okay. So so in the beginning but of the movie, yes. they're at the, the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. Um, I can't help but want to sing the song when I say that. Um, in the California, California sun. sun. It's it's imp- it's good 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 advertising. Yeah, it's a good jingle. She goes. She wanders off onto the beach into this like very uh, not PC like Native American uh, mirror funhouse thing. Oh yeah. Um, sees a ref- she can't find her way out because it's mirrors and she's a kid. And then she sees a reflection of herself, which is not a reflection. It's actually the clone. We find out, and then it cuts away. Right. Come to find out. Does not we come back and she the clone just like chokes her out, mm-hmm. trades that, places with her. And I heard that that's why her voice is of all course, jacked. yeah, which makes yeah. total sense. Which also makes sense why she wasn't talking because the people down down underneath didn't know how to talk; they were yeah. crazy. Um, anyways, trades places, takes her shirt so they look exactly the same, um, and then goes back up and lives the rest of the life as Adeline essentially instead of Red. Red is actually Adeline. Adeline is Red. Mm-hmm. They sort switch of a, rude. It's sort of a weird plot twist, um, which I don't know that it serves super well. Yeah, there's moments where the kid, uh, what's his name, um, Evan, or I think it's Evan. Is that right? Jordan, maybe. Uh, find the cast list. Uh, it would Jason. Be, it Jason. Would be Jordan. That's two on the nose. Yeah, sure. It's Jason, uh, the the young son. Like looks at his mom or what he thinks is his mom is like something's different about you. Mm-hmm. The point where she stabs one of the neighbors or one of the other twins, like the daughter with mm-hmm. the scissors. He's like, that's weird. Why are you using scissors uh, slash being so brutal? Mm-hmm. Then at the end where she's like smiling or something, he's like, you're not my mother. Like that one book. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways, all this to say they um, switch places when she was abducted, essentially. Yeah. She became the leader of this rebellion. She's the only one that ever spoke, by the way. She's the only one that could. Exactly. Yep. Because the other ones are crazy, I th- I guess. Or just not as intelligent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she had the messed up voice. I don't remember exactly how I got onto this. You were like, you might as well explain the switcheroo. And now I don't remember why I was saying that. So. Cool. Yeah. There's a lot to this movie. I think that's the yeah. point. And yeah. I think to keep it concise for you guys listening, because we're just ranting. It's so hard yeah, sure. about this movie. And I understand that because it's, it's complex. There's no oh, way I figured it out. What'd you figure out? I was going to say, um, like, it's really easy to demonize these, like, people that come up from anything and try to murder everybody. Obviously, you shouldn't murder people. Sure. But the movie changes a little bit if you sort of view them as the victims. And I was trying to figure out, Gianna brought it up to me, um, even though she didn't see it. She watched something on the internet, and she was like, well, if they switched places, why was why was um, the imposter, Adeline, so afraid to go back to that beach? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, why would she be? Like, she didn't have this trauma. She's the one that caused the trauma. Mm-hmm. But if you think of it as like, she's so terrified as going of going back to this underground place that she wants to avoid it. Like, if you think of it as her suffering, mm. I, I don't know. It kind of changed. Like, their big demonstration was holding hands. Like, that's not an aggressive action. No. Granted, they murdered people, but ignore that for a minute. Right. They come up and they just want to be noticed. They want to be seen. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a powerful statement as well. I think that 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 meant a lot to me when I heard about it or thought of that connection. I was like, that's, I don't know. That's interesting. I think those are all things that are really good points and they're definitely relevant to watching this movie again. Yeah. I think there's going to be so much more that I pick up on definitely. on a second watch. Um, oh, the other thing I wrote down on my notes is that if, if you do find Lupita 
Lupita's voice uh, to be a little bit creepy when she is red. That's how she's credited. Mm -hmm. um, she actually did some work there. It was based on a phenomenon called spasmodic dysphonia. Um, it's something where people don't have full control of their vocal cords and they have these weird spasms that cause them to make like these guttural sort of um, basically what you hear in the movie. Hmm. And she worked with vocal coaches and her ENT no to like, shit. to like try to get that down without harming her voice. Um, but man, I got to stress her performance like that. And like the way she moved, especially in that last confrontation, like the dance slash fight thing, mm -hmm. like it's so like possessed sort of like, yeah. Robotically like weird. I don't know. I thought it was great though. Yeah. That was a cool scene. Also the poetic irony of like her dying in the same place she was handcuffed originally, like almost, I think the same bed. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. Can't wait to watch this movie again. I think yeah. we should like just do another episode on it someday. I'd be down. I'd be super down to revisit it. That'd be great. I think we should. I think it deserves it. it. Yeah, totally. I think I'm there, man. I think, yeah, I don't, we could talk about this for hours. Yeah, for sure. And I think we probably will off air, but just for the interest yeah. of, of y'all <laughs> listening, that's, that's probably all I have to say. I agree. So in that case, I want to shout out real quick, John Wallum. We got a few emails from you over the past, uh, I think about 11 days. Uh, missed one of them on our last episode, so I wanted to shout out both. Appreciate you reaching out, um, and thanks for communicating with us uh, on the response and maybe potentially grabbing some beers. Yeah, yeah. That's very nice. But And we have a new patron. Yeah, do we? One James Larkin. Oh, uh, we haven't done this? Oh, in that case, uh, wow, I can't believe we haven't done this on air. Yeah. Yeah, we worst. got Jimmy Larkin on Patreon. Oh, my God. Also, my sister Bailey Minardi is on Patreon. A show wouldn't be possible without her. So what's up? Thank you. That counts for the end of the episode. My God, that makes me so happy. Um, so Bailey and Jimmy, thank you very much. If you guys do want to find us or you're interested in Patreon, I can tell you for sure. Check out patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema. But if you want to find us on just social media stuff. Yeah. I'm at Johnny Summers on stuff. Sure. I'm only on Instagram. I don't have Facebook. Oh, yeah, that's true. And I'm on Johnny Manitoba on Twitter. Yep. Uh, other than that, yeah, I run the 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 Fresh Hop Cinema Instagram. Yeah, that's just at Fresh Hop Cinema, and as you, can, you might imagine. And you can look me up on Untapped and Letterboxd under the same alias, Fresh Hop Cinema. Mm -hmm. Check those out. You can find us at all the same social medias. Max is at Max Minority Music. Yep. Uh, like his stuff. Screenshot where you're listening. Post that on your Instagram. Tag us. That's uh, the biggest help. Please rate, keep doing that. Yeah, rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you might listen. It it does help other people find the show, and then we get to grow our little family just a little bit more. Just a little bit is all so, we need, just a little help. Uh, we don't know what we're covering next week, but it's going to be good. So tell a friend about the show. Yeah. Make sure to tune in. Until then, avoid scissors. Yep. I'm At Johnny, all costs. I'm Johnny Summers. I'm Max Minardi. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. This is Fresh Hot Cinema.